We all know what is necessary to move past the funding impasse, a negotiated solution that can pass the House, earn 60 votes here in the Senate, and gets a presidential signature. That's what it takes to make a law. Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. We're going to talk shutdown politics today. Uh, and then towards the end, Dad, I'd like to also get your take on the sales tax proposed here in Arizona uh, to increase funding for education proposed by a Republican, Sylvia Allen. So that'll come at the end. Uh, but... Recording this on a Sunday, on day 23 of the government shutdown, the longest shutdown in American history. And while state funds uh, and site fees are keeping the Grand Canyon open here in Arizona, we've been hearing a lot of stories in the news about federal workers not getting paid and uh, other problems as the shutdown continues. And and Trump has recently feigned, I, I guess he was feigned, that he might declare a national emergency? Do you think there's any, I don't know, is there any teeth to that threat, well, I, do you think? I, I think there is. It seems like he backed down, but it's still a looming possibility that he will declare a national emergency. Uh, yes, the, and it is not, he has some legal grounds for it. Um, the Congress has unfortunately shirked its duty and delegated enormous um, national emergency powers to the president, see, one of which is to authorize um, military construction funds to be expended even when Congress um, has not acted. And that would be there in the Pentagon right now if, if, if he was to do that. Well, my first question is that uh, this kind of ties back to a couple podcast episodes ago. We talked about how the Senate uh, has ceded a lot of its power and, and would be you know, do well to reassert its power. But uh, back in December 19th, the Senate passed a continuing resolution to, to fund the government, um, and things changed. Uh, why did they sign it then, and why aren't they doing it again? Um. Trump had uh, given um, every indication to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell that uh, what McConnell was bringing to the floor of the Senate was acceptable to the president and um, would be signed. Uh, It did not expressly authorize $5.7 billion to build additional physical barriers on the border, Um, although it did have quite a bit of money for border security. Uh, After the the Senate actually took a voice vote. It it was not considered a controversial measure. Everybody thought it was done. Uh, And afterwards, uh, Trump reneged and said he would not sign it, um, urged the House instead to pass a funding bill for the remainder of the year for the remaining agencies that haven't that don't have one um, that included 5.7 billion expressly for additional physical barriers uh, and uh, Democrats in the Senate won't accept that and kind of the uh, 
the common wisdom is that Trump changed his tune uh, because of pressure from his base, or at least the base voicing their opinions on conservative talk radio. Uh, do you think that's what what nudges him, or or do you think he, you know, because it's kind of the same thing that happened uh, a year ago. We had, <laughs> I remember a year ago talking about shutdown politics. Um, is is that what? Is he thinking, okay, I can just do this, but then he then he gets backlash from his from his base through these outlets or through someone in his uh, inner circle, and then he changes his tune, or is he trying to cause chaos intentionally? Or I I don't pretend to <laughs> understand what goes on in the <laughs> noggin of of the current president of the United States. Uh, he is erratic in behavior on a wide number of fronts highly reactive uh, to whatever is occurring in the moment um, rather than pursuing long-term strategies. Um, So whether it was the adverse reaction um, from the Republican base or whether it was simply that he changed his mind uh, or that McConnell read too much into uh, what uh, the president and his people were before. Uh, indi- before, um, I don't know, but 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 clearly, um, his administration had given Mitch McConnell every reason to believe that he would sign what McConnell brought to the floor, and now McConnell has just basically, from the Senate majority standpoint in the Senate, um, completely uh, withdrawn from the discussions and given Trump all. <laughs> all the cards and said, basically, the Democrats and Trump have to come to an agreement, and if they do, we'll bring it to the floor. I think that's a mistake, um, both because I think it empowers Trump too much, but it also takes the Senate majority out of the action. And I don't know why a majority party uh, would want to take themselves out of the out of the action, but that is where McConnell is right now. Have uh, have our senators here in Arizona, Cinema or Martha McSally, been been vocal or expressed? Is there any chance that I mean McSally would call for holding a vote or 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 taking that move to to reassert Senate authority, regardless of what the president's trying to push? I, I believe as Uh, Time goes on. Uh, Republicans in the Senate will feel pressure and the need to act. Um, Rob Portman, a Republican senator from Ohio, has introduced legislation which would create the deal that most people think would be the best sweet spot, Um, and that is to go ahead and fund the fiscal barriers that the president is asking for, but also provide legal status um, for children who were brought to this country legally as children. Um, both Cinema uh, and McSally have a track record of bucking their party to vote to keep the government open. Uh, neither one of them have to my knowledge, entered into the fray and proposed a solution. But I think both of them are likely to be part of those behind the scenes, if not publicly, pushing for a solution and a vote, a practical vote 
to keep the government open rather than continue to make an ideological point. But can that vote even happen without the approval or uh, allowance of Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader? Uh, well, there are discharge petitions, but I don't think that's likely to occur in this case. I So really the game is all about getting Mitch McConnell to bend and, and, and hold something over the desires of the president. Uh, either that or the increasing pressure for action causes the president uh, to moderate his uh, position or to act unilaterally, to declare a national emergency, begin doing the fiscal barrier, go ahead and approve a um, budget bill that doesn't uh, include it and, and then litigate it. I think McConnell would be wiser to leave a uh, more of an open door uh, to the Senate acting before the president says that he supports something because oh. doing that could put pressure on the president to do so. Right. And what the president says is demonstrated in December is not necessarily a reliable yeah. indication of what he will do in the event. So it may be that if McConnell works something out in the Senate, the president, who today says that he would oppose it, might end up supporting it. Yeah, you made a good point. Uh, you wrote a column about this uh, the other day that, that pointed that out, that you know, in terms of negotiating, you, you can't pin Trump down on anything. And there's even, you know, when there were some stories about uh, VP Mike Pence trying to, like, maybe cut a deal with the Democrats for, like, you know, $2.5 or billion or something for the wall. But no one knew if that was, like, legitimate so, so even even his own side, you know, poor uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy too is out there on TV cameras all the time and trying to pitch something, and it's really unclear uh, what Trump actually firmly um, what his what his terms are. Um, but that seems like a, I think the best option is getting. Hey, let's put a solution out here. <laughs> Trump will probably sign it. Do you think uh, Mitch McConnell just feels that political pressure? Like Trump's, I was reading some polls that Trump is more popular in his own uh, state than he is. I mean, is he is he seeding that because of uh, a fear that you have kind of the typical Republican pressure? Like we got to support Trump because he's he's got popularity within the Republican Party. There's probably an element of that. Um, the situation in 2020 is the reverse of what it was in 2018. There's far more Republican seats up than there are Democratic seats, and they are in some swing territory, and in the Trump era, who knows what's swing territory uh, anymore. So I suspect there's a desire on McConnell's part not to submit his caucus to a hard vote without knowing that the end result will be to open the government. Um, but McConnell also uh, is a pragmatic problem solver and a master legislative tactician. Uh, and uh, I think he, at this point, believes uh, that the quickest and surest way to 
an end game that opens up the government that causes the least amount of political damage to his caucus is to stay out of it and to say Trump and the Democrats have to come to an agreement. Right. So I, I think it's both I mean, how- being protective of perhaps himself, but certainly his caucus members, but also a belief that negotiating this in the Senate at present between Republicans and Democrats doesn't get you anywhere because that's what they did in December. Um, so Unless they all agree to override a veto if it, if it happens. And the odds of getting enough Republican votes to do that in the Senate and the House are um, not very good. Right. So how long do you think this drags on before either a national emergency or uh, some give on the on the Republican side? Do you think this shutdown could go on for months? I do not. I, I think the uh, inequities and... Uh, hardship um, being imposed on uh, federal employees will be of um, increasing political importance. It's just wrong to subject people to not getting a paycheck or being asked to work without a paycheck because the politicians didn't do their job. Um, That's a tough thing to sustain. Also, increasingly, the consequences of shutting down the federal government will begin to be felt more broadly. I met um, last week with a um, senior uh, lawyer at a large corporation uh, who has a um, transaction, they're trying to sell one of their divisions, um, that requires FTC... Uh, Federal Trade Commission's uh, antitrust approval. They're on furlough. Right. So um, <clears throat> it, it so these kind of consequences will begin to build. I I believe that it has a week or two before um, something has to give um, due to those pressures and the likelihood that Trump will decide to act unilaterally rather than prolong it. Yeah, and it's just a shame that. It's you know it's a it's a dispute over something that should be disconnected from the you know the funding itself. It should be okay. We have an immigration situation. We need immigration reform. Let's discuss, debate, compromise, and come up with a with a deal. I think a deal is there to be had on in terms of policy, but just the politics and the and the and the way that the Congress functions now, it just all comes to a you know well, a and standstill. And given where we are politically in the impasse, I actually think the Democrats have made a reasonable proposal mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the next step, which is to fund for the remainder of the year all the agencies other than Homeland Security, which is where the border wall funding is embedded, and do a short-term continuing resolution for Homeland Security while you continue um, this fight and to see whether there's a discrete deal um, that's available uh, or achievable um, just with respect to the border wall and some other kind of immigration reform. Yeah. Well, let's transition uh, here to Arizona focus. And the, our, our legislature picks back up again uh, this week. So 
there's going to be a lot of things to talk about, and, and we'll we'll talk about a lot of them here on on the podcast. But one thing that's already been floated out that's gotten some discussion uh, is a proposal to increase the sales tax. Uh, right now, it's Prop 301 has a 0.6 uh, percent sales tax, and that uh, is being proposed to bring it up to a whole one percent. Um, that would raise a billion for public education, not just K-12, but also some for the um, community colleges and universities. You've proposed uh, a couple different versions of, of tax increases. You're for uh, a tax increase to pay for public education. Um, how is this, does this have any similarities to, you, to the plan you propose, which, which you call a consumption tax? And would you support this plan as, as Sylvia Allen has, has laid out in the op-ed? Um, I would not. I, I do support a um, consumption tax, um, a general consumption tax increase, which this would be, um, with either the proceeds earmarked, um, or with proceeds general allocated as the legislature decides, and I will even consider breaking in long-standing principle of mine and um, would consider supporting one that was earmarked for K-12 education. Um, I do not, this particular proposal only modestly increases funding for K-12 education over what it already gets uh, from um, Proposition 301. Uh, and it increases significantly uh, what the universities and the community colleges get. And I don't think that we need to have a tax increase uh, to increase funding for the universities and the community colleges. Um, they've handled the reduction in state revenues well. Um, all, the, all the universities and the community colleges are doing well. And we've got robust growth in existing revenues um, that can be used to increase the funding. So to me, you only increase taxes to achieve something that you can't achieve otherwise. And in terms of restoring K through 12 funding to its pre-recession uh, levels, you need a tax increase in order to do it within a year or two. The governor has largely proposed to do it, but over a five-year period. It's looking Ho more... Hoping that the growth in, and, and revenues from a growing economy would be able to cover that is the projections is that any chance of getting to the level that it would even in five years right now i was skeptical when it was originally uh, proposed but but right now and based upon reasonable projections of future growth there would be the money uh, to do what the governor proposes which over a five-year period would largely restore operating operational funding for uh, k through 12 schools to what they were pre-recession. There would still be a shortage in capital funding to build new schools or make major repairs to existing schools. So it wouldn't get completely there. But to do that, uh, you would have to give K through 12 schools virtually all the growth in state revenues over that period of time. So you wouldn't have money available to improve funding for the community colleges, for uh, the universities, 
or for agencies like the Department of Water Resources, which has been um, seriously underfunded as well. So I, I think that the most prudent course of action is a tax increase with the proceeds going to K-12 uh, education to accelerate uh, when the restoration occurs and also have money in your pocket uh, to improve funding for other state agencies. So if it was the same sales tax, but all the money was going through K-12 rather than any of it going to the colleges and universities, would you support it? Uh, with the discretion that is in Sylvia Allen's bill uh, in terms of what uh, the districts and the charter schools can use the money for, yes. Um, so if this was... So that's the one sticking point for you. Is yeah, I, I just do yeah. not... There, there is not a need for a tax increase um, to fund universities and community colleges. Last question here. Do you think the, the new makeup of the, of the legislature and maybe the changing political ground, perhaps purpling more the, the, the state, perhaps... Do you think that changes what's possible this session in terms of education? Like, are we more likely to see there's probably no chance of getting a, a tax increase that, that Ducey will sign, but do you think it's it's possible to get uh, an agreement passed by the legislature that's going to go to the taxpayers? Well, the first thing I think, there's a strong possibility uh, that a lot of the current uh, $1.1 billion surplus um, will go to K-12 education. Uh, that, uh, that would be for a year, right? Um, assuming that it cannot be sustained, but I think that a fairly large contribution can be sustained. So I, I, I think that a larger step forward than... That will keep see, getting a surplus year after year? Yeah, that, that existing revenues would support accelerating the governor's timetable, both in terms of the salary increase and restoration of a, what's a funding source that's called uh, additional assistance. Um, and you, you do have um, a lot more Democrats in the House, and you have more moderate Republicans in uh, both caucuses in the Senate and the House. Um, so I believe that, uh, and, and you got a lot of money, um, so I, I think you're, we're in for a, a very serious, prolonged discussion about what do you use this money for? Well, maybe, maybe it makes it less likely you'll pass a, a tax increase with Republicans on board uh, to go to the, to the voters if a lot of them can say, well, we have this money here for, that we can use, why, why raise taxes? I do think that it, that it, that it would be possible um, in a responsible way that doesn't threaten a deficit in the future to accelerate the governor's timetable. Um, not up to getting it done in the next two years, like a referral to the ballot would, uh, but it would come close to that on operational funding. You still have the problem with capital funding, and you have a new lawsuit. Uh, uh, claiming that the state is unconstitutionally neglecting uh, the capital needs of district schools. Um, so I do believe that this is a legislature that would be more receptive to referring something to the ballot, um, even in the face of the governor's opposition. Mm -hmm. 
but there's also room to believe uh, that uh, you can do an awful lot for K-12 education uh, without doing that. Right. So uh, the unquestioned need for a tax increase, which I think has existed for, well, ever since the um, temporary one-cent increase went away, is no longer as, as strong. An argument that we can do this without a tax increase is um, a much stronger position than it's been in the past. Well, uh, I won't ask you to predict what Governor Ducey is going to say in a state of the state because that's happening tomorrow. And by, a lot, <laughs> by the time a lot of our listeners are, are listening to this, it will have already happened. But uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about uh, what kind of tone he sets uh, coming out and, and, and issues upcoming in the legislature. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is the Political Notebook Podcast. Uh, you can catch us on any podcasting app, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. Thank you again.